Hello, folks. This is According to Callus, and honestly, it's been a week. What's going on in a week? Well, let me tell you. I pre-recorded a number of episodes so I could wrap up the week and uh, have a full week worth of uh, programming for all my loyal listeners out there. Uh, I continued on through the Republican Party uh, platform for the state of Texas, um, apparently there was not a whole lot of interest in that. Imagine that. Well, in the meantime, I managed to come down with a bout of bronchitis and I am more or less over that, I think at this point. And I've got a mm, frozen drink to hopefully keep my throat from messing up on me too badly here. And I am going to do the episode that I should have done on Independence Day. The episode that's been kind of waiting its turn to come out. Now, full disclosure, I finished watching a series called The Terminal List. And one of the themes in The Terminal List, in my opinion, was the idea of being able to separate the truth and reality and having a proper understanding of the greater um, goal, if you will. Now, maybe I'm making a stretch too far. Uh, I'm not entirely certain. And honestly, uh, with some of the medication I've been on, I <clears throat> maybe misread uh, that or have thought too deeply about it. Um, I'm certain that there will not be universal acclaim, but as far as the series goes, I thought it was very interesting, if not intense. Now you're going to ask, well, how does that, how does that directly relate to independence day? Well, it doesn't, it doesn't. So as I was ruminating for a time, it came to the understanding. And of course, this is according to Cal, so this is all basically my opinion. Most of it's a learned opinion or a uh, informed opinion, but it's still just my opinion. So if I get specific dates or facts wrong, just give me a little grace on this one. Uh, I'm working without a net. I could have done research. I could have looked everything up. But for the purpose of where I'm going tonight... For the purpose of this discussion, that's not the relevant point. The relevant point is, about 250 years or so ago, a group of people came together, both independently and cooperatively, with a grander scheme in mind. They wanted to separate themselves from the rulers. Now, they would make the arguments, some of which would include, um, you know, we've largely been on our own for this long. Why do we need to keep listening to the king or parliament? Um, these people are taking our money without giving us a chance to say what we want done with it. These people are abusing us or are 
manipulating us and making us do things that we don't wish to do. These people are tying us up in wars that we have no interest in. And they're doing a poor job in defending us with the real issues that we have. Um, There's been a neglect that's been going on. And because of this neglect, we should be able to go off on our own way. Now, they went back and forth for a couple of decades on the idea that while they may nominally still be under the British crown, they are, in effect, acting independently from the crown. Some of the more radical or forward elements in that um, wanted no rules, no king, no authority over them. Some of the more, shall we say, mundane, no, that's not the word I want to use, slow movers. They wanted reforms. They wanted to curtail abuses of power. They wanted to be walked to a destination. They didn't want to rush headlong into it. But they all ultimately agreed at some point that there needed to be a separation. Now, we've been fed a diet of myth, superstition. Since then, to the point that we don't know for absolute certainty what truth is. However, we have got a firm grasp on the reality. The reality of the situation was is that these people came together and they fought a war and they ultimately won their independence from another nation's control. Now we can argue and we can speculate on what their ultimate goal was once they accomplished that. We can split hairs on all men being created equal and what that all meant. We can also argue whether or not they failed to live up to that in a specific period of time. But the reality is, in my opinion, almost all of it was propaganda. It was propaganda put forth a good or towards a good outcome, I would agree with. It is propaganda that it was useful and effective. And sadly, it gets lost on a lot of people that that was the goal. It was it was war propaganda. I don't think anybody that was around at this point 80 years ago believed entirely what they were being told about the Germans or the Japanese. Or if you go back 100 and uh, let's see, 105 years ago at this point, I don't think Anybody really believed that the Germans were the Huns, right? It was war propaganda. It was trying to motivate people in a populace to move from the center, to take action. I don't fault anybody for that. That's the reality. That's the world we live in. That's what has to be done in order to accomplish a goal. But if we step back and we look at 
What did we get for it? What did we, what was the accomplishment from our independence? Well, I think it'd be fair to say as we reset the clock, right? You know, I've heard it say that there was a uh, 1100 AD, the king laid out a list of things that if he were to ever, you know, take part in, that he would be a tyrannical king. Chris Ann Hall spoke at length about this, so I won't go down that path. But suffice it to say, in 1776, we reset the clock to that point. We listed out all the things that if they were to occur, would indicate that we were living under tyranny. So in the roughly 250 years since that point, I think it's fair to say that in almost all counts, we now live under tyranny. I mean, I'll just pull out the uh, Bill of Rights here since, you know, that's what most of us fixate on and, and, and it's appropriate. Because the Constitution would have never been adopted, would have never been agreed upon without the Bill of Rights. And the Bill of Rights were, at least in theory, supposed to delineate the things that the federal government should not do. Now, I know there are some people that believe through incorporation in the 14th Amendment that that applies directly to the states. And that's not really the purpose of this discussion. The purpose of this discussion is to say that the federal government is not supposed to do these things at all. Period. In fact, in many times it says Congress shall make no law, right? Because that's the first one. And I would suspect that it'd be fair to say they did establish a religion. Now, now, it's not a religion as it's a form of Christianity or even Islam or Judaism. It's of secular humanism. Now, it did take them about 200 years to pull that off. But they did. And as far as abridging the freedom of speech, oh, I'll let you be the judge of that. Are the press? Is there actually a press, an independent press anymore? Or peaceably assemble? Well, we know that got thrown out. I mean, I know in January 6th, there would be arguments at how peaceable they were. But those people are still in prison, awaiting a trial that they may or may not ever get. Yet the people in the summer love burned things down, looted, killed people, and the vice president raised money to get them out of prison. Or, I'm sorry, out of jail. So, if we can't petition a government for a redress of grievances, I tell you, how are we not living under tyranny? I say we are. Amendment 2. Now, this is the one that apparently so many people have such trouble with. Because they don't comprehend the idea that a well-regulated militia just means a well-trained group of men whose job it is to secure the free state. And because we need a group of men that can be well-trained, we're not going to keep from them the right to keep and bear arms. Because it shall not be infringed. But of course, uh, you know, 1934, 1968, we just did whatever the heck we want. And... Again, tyranny. It's here. It's loud. It's clear. Now, Amendment 3, this is an interesting one because it says no soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner nor in time of war, but in a manner prescribed by law. So I ask you, if they're taking 
25% everything that you get in order to support the police state, is that not essentially the same outcome? Now, Amendment 4 talks about being secure in your person's houses, papers, and effects from unreasonable searches and seizures. Yeah. When's the last time that's been observed? I mean, they can actually literally look in your house. They can look in your house with basically technology and there's nothing that you can do about it. And and if you, I don't know, lead line your house, well, then that's just (laughs) that you've proved them probable cause or something of that matter. And warrants, please. I mean, extension circumstances. Oh, we could just do what we want because uh, we felt the need. Come on. It is. It is tyranny. Article, or I'm sorry, Amendment 5, talking about no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless presentment of an indictment of a grand jury. And they won't be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process. Yeah, tell that to those folks that are sitting in jail for January 6th. And while we're at it, all those uh, quote-unquote unlawful combatants, how many of them were U.S. citizens that went to Guantanamo? Hmm? Now, I know that's kind of a touchy subject, right? Because, I mean, war on terror, you know, uh, well, we just got to ignore the uh, Constitution because, you know, danger, terrorism. Really? Is that how it's supposed to be? I mean, is that how it's going to work? Um, I got to tell you, that's tyranny. It's tyranny, and if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. Criminal prosecutions, which would be Amendment 6, the accused shall enjoy a right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury, unless, of course, you're going to tax court or facing the EPA or <laughs> any other one of the alphabet soup agencies. They'll bury you through the process. And again, how is that not tyranny? It's clear. It's plain as day. But we say nothing. We do nothing. Amendment 7. In suits of common law, value of controversy of $20, right of trial by jury shall be preserved. And no fact tried by jury shall be otherwise reexamined by a court of the United States other than according to the, or I'm sorry, than according to the rules of common law. So basically, if you get a jury trial, they're not supposed to be able to try again. And let me tell you. There's a little challenge there in getting your actual jury trial. They can string that out for years. They can bury you. If the law, <laughs> the lawyer and the law don't bury you, certainly the courts will. Again, tyranny. Excessive bail shall not be required. Excessive fines. Oh, yeah. You just throw that out. That's going on every day, all the time. They're, they're trying to fine people $1,500 for parking a car in, in California, mind you. Parking their car on a parking pad that's in their uh, front yard and there's no recourse. I mean, I watched it on Leto Law. It's on YouTube. I mean, go double check it if you, you know, think I'm crazy. But this is the kind of stuff we're talking about. This is going on 
and there's no recourse. And this is not even the feds. At that point, this is dealing with some little petty municipal court case. But what do the feds do that we don't even know about? Now, the enumeration of the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage any others retained by the people. Now, this is an interesting thing because this is Amendment 9. And there are those in the libertarian world who believe that somewhere in the Ninth Amendment there is a right to kill your baby. That that's not one of the rights they lined out, but clearly it's there. Well, but what happened about the right to life? So you're canceling out another being's right to life because of your convenience. But nevertheless, they take away our rights all the time. They redefine them. They reclassify them. I mean, if you want to look at it, um, there is no power for the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. There's no power for any of the drug laws or the DEA or any of this stuff. Yet it's there, and that's tyranny. Now, let's be clear. I think if you're smoking dope, probably not even thinking right. If you're, you know, taking lines of coke or shooting up heroin, you got other problems there. But I don't think necessarily a felony pop in the rest of your life ruined with felony is going to solve your problems. But, I mean... Again, Ron Paul once asked the question, if heroin was legal tomorrow, how many of you would line up to go try it? The reality is, is a certain percentage of our population has always been addicts. And no matter how many laws we make, it's never going to change that. But it's tyranny. The federal government does not have that authority. And then Amendment 10. Powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or the people. Which just means that unless the state delegated that authority to the federal government, they have no authority to do it. Yet they act as if the states work for them. They act as if we're all their subjects. So I ask you, in 200 years, our reset button was thrown out the door. And what did we do about it? Oh, we had some hippies get a little upset in the 60s. You know, they dropped out. But now those same people are running things. And they're as bad or worse as J. Edgar Hoover or Franklin Roosevelt ever was. In fact, those same people are trying to one-up the old tyrant Abe. Or Wilson. Yet, what do we do? So if we... Go back to our reset button of 250 years ago. We look at what happened in 1776. And we're willing to overlook the shortcomings or the problems that we left unsolved or unchecked at that point. And if we even look through another set of eyes that is a whole lot closer to it than we are. Um, for example, let's use Frederick Douglass. Now, Frederick Douglass is probably not my first choice of a historian. Frederick Douglass definitely has his biases that he brings to bear. But Frederick Douglass is also the guy that basically states, hey, these truths are self-evident. These arguments that are laid out in the Declaration of Independence, we need to fulfill those. We have a constitution and by the Constitution, there should be no such thing as slavery. 
He advocated that. Lysander Spooner did the same thing. They advocated using the Constitution to increase freedom, to protect liberty. And unfortunately, nobody seems to remember that. Nobody seems to act on that. Oh, they want to lionize the guy for his autobiography. Okay, that's fine. They want to make Lysander Spooner disappear. But the reality is, those two guys, just as an example, were far more concerned about protecting what came out of 1776, protecting what the reset button was supposed to give us, than anybody that I can think of that is currently in office. And I'll set aside Thomas Massey and Rand Paul. Uh, Those two guys get a free pass. And there may be about six other elected officials at the federal level that are worthy of our consideration. And we look at, these are the people we've sent there to represent us and they're supposed to protect our liberty and they don't do it. In fact, they whittle it away all the time. And we're supposed to celebrate these people because they have the right initial after their name. We're supposed to be happy because they're on our team. We're supposed to turn a blind eye when they sell us out. We're supposed to be excited because our team won. Rah, rah. So, let's revert back to where we started. 1776, the reset buttons hit. We kicked out a king. We sent the parliament packing. We did away with a standing army. We recreated our form of government. We aligned it in a way that would create a balance of power. It was balanced multiple directions. We utilized federalism. We put all these protections in place. But we let the fox in the hen house. We let the high federalists come in and manipulate things. We let them steer the course for us, if you will. And that ship that was set sail in a direct path towards liberty was put off just a degree or two. And when we get 200 years into the future, we see where we're at. And now 250 years in the future, we're saying, oh my gosh, what went wrong? How did we miss this? And when somebody questions it, when somebody says, hey guys, what did we miss here? What did we do wrong? And what are our probable solutions? Well, therein lies the rub. There are any number of probable solutions. There are those that feel that the sixth, I'm sorry, Article 6 will solve the problem. Article 6 is, you know, if it was just enforced, it would rein in a lot of this. And there is something to be said for that. I'm in Article 4. Give me a minute. Let me get to Article 6. (laughs) This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all the treaties made, or which shall be made, under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land. 
and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby, and anything in the Constitution or the laws of any state to the contrary notwithstanding. So the Constitution and laws made in pursuance of the Constitution and the treaties that comply with the Constitution with the authority of the United States are the supreme law of the land. But what happens when they don't follow the Constitution? What happens when those laws violate the Constitution? What happens when we make treaties that are in conflict with the Constitution? What happens when you have judges that ignore the Constitution? Senators and representatives before mentioned, and the members of the several state legislatures and all executive judicial officers, both the United States and the several states of the United States and of the several states, excuse me, shall be bound by an oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. So if they fail to support the Constitution, does that not mean they failed to do what they were supposed to do? Does that not make them an oath breaker? Does that not mean that maybe we just need to toss them out on their butt? But again, why haven't we? So of those people that gathered together and they worked together to get an outcome that removed a king, silenced a parliament, chased out the largest or the most powerful army in the planet at the time, they bequeathed us what became a replacement empire, what became a replacement set of kings. The oligarchy is well in place and we all accept it. And we talk about, well, we could use Article 6 or, well, don't forget, we've got Article 5. You know, those folks, they run around with the Convention of States and, you know, I have mixed feelings about that situation, but I at least am willing to grant that the majority of the people that are involved in that legitimately believe they're going to make a difference, that they're going to reign in government, they're going to somehow remove the tyranny. Now, I'm not convinced that they're right. In fact, I'm very concerned about what the outcome might be, but I'm at least willing to work with them in the extent that they're not my enemy. And a lot of these good people are trying to do what they believe is the right thing. And so if God forbid they're successful and they get their convention of states, they're going to need guys like me. They're going to come in and fight alongside them and be on their team and do the right thing. But they're going to need you and you and you and you and you to do more than what you're doing now. And then of course, there's the Texas independence movement. Then there's the various um, splitting of states into multiple states or leaving the uh, federation of states, if you will. There's all these different movements. And I got to tell you, I support every one of them because every time the power gets fractured, it becomes weaker. It becomes less effective, it becomes less scary, and quite frankly, less tyrannical. Those people that made those sacrifices 250 years ago, a lot of them paid a very, very deep and heavy price. Now, some came through it, 
Some, you could say, became more successful because of it, but the vast majority paid a price, a very heavy price. And I wonder to myself, why is it that we keep tolerating these things? Why is it that we have made peace with the tyranny that we have and the only thing that I can come up with is we're afraid to make the sacrifice. We're afraid to do what must be done to protect our liberty. And I don't know if it's because we don't prioritize liberty or if we just love our security too much. Indeed, when I, and I, this is related, so I'm going to go there. But when I hear and see comments from the naysayers, oh, you can't do that. Oh, you haven't considered the terrible cost or this challenge that might ensue. I keep wondering, is that what our problem is? Is everybody just afraid because they don't want to take a risk? Is it that they're willing to put up with just that boot lightly pressed across the back of their neck and the knee across their back? And they're, they're just going to tolerate it for a little while longer because they can still breathe. You know, one of the Adams is, is reputed to have told the people to, you know, enjoy their train chains, basically. May they tread lightly because hopefully our posterity will forget that you belong to us. You know, I almost wonder if it's a form of Stockholm syndrome, right? Well, you know, we know the United States, this is tyrannical and abusive power, but well, we just, we love their security so much that we're afraid. We don't want to go somewhere else. We don't want to try something else. We, we, we've loved our enemy. And not in a biblical sense either. So, my message to you four days after Independence Day is what's it going to take? When are you going to be willing to open your eyes, accept the reality that we're in? I know that in the postmodern age, there's your truth, my truth, and everybody else's truth. So help us God. But when you accept the reality you're in, it's not about truth. It's just what is. I don't have to like so many things that are going on. I don't have to be happy about it, but I have to acknowledge it's there. I have to deal with it. We have to make the most of it. We have to continue to move forward. And I, for one, I don't want to live my entire life in battle. I don't, I don't want to think about every person I run across as a potential enemy. That's just not the way I'm wired. But I do value liberty. I do value independence. I'm willing to work with other people. I'm, I'm willing to cooperate for everybody's benefit. But that cooperation stops when I start hurting other people, when I start manipulating events that cause people to pay a price for something that they ought not have to pay a price for. And I look back, I think about the, the, the series I just watched and the things that those guys endure 
Now I fully realize it was the Hollywood eyes version, but I've meant some of those men. I've known some of those men that did that kind of stuff. I didn't. I was fortunate. I was peacetime Navy. I served on a ship. I enjoyed my time. I came home to my my wife and I had a life. But those guys, they, they sacrificed their lives for an ideal. For perhaps even a fantasy. For an imagined outcome. Now, some made a career out of it. Some some stayed with their buddies. Some stayed with the brotherhood. Whatever whatever your thought is on that, I, I don't fault any one of them. They've got far more buy-in than I do, and I'm not going to criticize anything any of those men have done or even the women that have gone into some of those roles. But at what point do they realize that just perhaps... They were misled. And I wonder if some of the motivation behind the red flag laws and some of the uh, monitoring that goes on right now is because the powers that be are fully aware that some of these people are becoming aware that they're not serving the purpose they thought they were serving. That they're not sacrificing themselves for the ideal of liberty, for freedom, for these United States. No, I'm afraid they're figuring it out. And I'm afraid those people that are in the oligarchy don't like that a whole lot. And that's what that's really about. I would just humbly ask that each and every one of you that have listened to me and as I've rambled on a little bit and I got to admit, I'm probably not at full strength or full speed, but I just want you to consider what I've said. I want you to consider what does Independence Day matter if we have no independence? What does life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness mean when we don't control our own lives and liberty is a fleeting gesture and the pursuit of happiness, well, quite frankly, they've substituted security or some form of security in place of it. Is there not a real and distinct possibility that we might have to just go find our own reset button? And there are plenty of options out there. I named at least three of them, short of what is sure to be a very messy divorce. There are different things we could do, different ways we can go. And once I complete the uh, Republican Party's uh, platform, I'll start running down some of those ideas again as we pick up speed. As we're now in the month of July and the heyday of summer, if you will, I want you all to consider what are you willing to invest? What are you willing to do to put some skin in the game? 
if you found this in the slightest bit interesting, educational, informative, (laughs) exciting, I'd like you to do me a favor. I'd like you to share it. I'd like you to subscribe. I'd like you to tell your friends. I'd like you to put a comment or do a review. Let the world know that there's other people out there that actually care about what we're doing. That actually care about our country beyond just the R and the D. Beyond just my team won, your team lost. But you still value liberty. And with that, this is According to Callus. And I will see you on the other side.